Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, hey friends, we started a new series last week called The Success Trap. This whole series is about uh, moving from success, which is very tempting, but ultimately fleeting, to significance which really everybody wants. Now, our tendency at church is to speak, preach to the struggles, to the needs, to the problems, and and that's with really good reason because the gospel is the answer, the ultimate answer to all of those things. And all of us uh, are in in one form or another struggling with something. No, No one has it all together. As long as we're on this earth, there will be problems that come our way. But we believe the gospel speaks to success as well as struggle, that Jesus has something, in fact, a lot of things to say to us about those things, and not just to people who are struggling, to the, to the outcasts, the poor, and the hurting, but also to the wealthy, to those who would be considered in our world to be successful. In fact, he saves some of his most pointed stories, some of his sharpest language for those who have means. And every time he does, it's, it's not because he sees the success or the wealth as this awful, bad, sinful thing. In fact, in so many places, he says that it can be used for great things in the kingdom of God. But what he saw in his day, and it's the same pattern in our day today, is the great possibility that the blind striving for success can actually hurt you in the end. Because he knew what some of us find out, that success alone, success for the sake of success, is ultimately empty. The, uh, the NFL season has, has begun, and whatever you think or feel about Uh, quarterback Tom Brady, you can't argue with the fact that he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback to ever have played that game. He's won six Super Bowls, uh, but back after he had just won his third, he was 27 years old and he sat down for this interview with 60 Minutes and, and he was asked about success and the success he'd already experienced. And he talked really honestly about how fleeting it is. Here's what he said. He said, Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what life is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's gotta be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it, I'm 27, and what else is there for me? And the interviewer asked him, well, what's the answer? And Tom Brady said, I wish I knew. He said, I wish I knew. You've all, all of us have experienced some kind of success in school or on a team or in your, in your work or whether it's a small recognition from, from a client or a, a great grade on a test or a big business deal. And, and if you've ever had that feeling, you also know how quickly it goes away. Brady's ask, what's the answer? And like a lot of us, he answers with an honest I wish I knew. Jesus knew the answer to that question. 
In fact, a lot of why he was here was to provide the answer to that question. And, and, and like I've said, like I said before, Jesus had some really amazing interactions with people when it came to the idea of success. He just had this insight into, into people, into, in this instance, what experiencing success had the potential to do to a person, how it, it has the potential to serve you well or the potential to stop you from experiencing all that God has for you. Now, there's this great back and forth between a man and Jesus in the Gospels. And, and one thing I want you to notice throughout it as we talk it through is the love and gentleness of Jesus. We, we want to make this all about what rules I should follow to do the right thing and to get right with God. Jesus is never about the rules. He's focused entirely on this man's relationship with God. This is, this is from the book of Mark chapter 10. And I want to share this story with you today. Here's how it goes. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, there's, there's a couple things to notice right off the bat. A, a man ran toward Jesus, and he not only ran, he fell on his knees in front of Jesus. Two things you need to know about the culture of Jesus' day. Men, especially men of wealth and men of means, and we're going to find out in this story that, that this man had wealth, they did not run in public. They just didn't do it. It was shameful to be seen running. Like, uh, you know, all these people that you see running on the side of the road or on the greenway when you're driving down the road, shameful. Like, you just didn't do that in that day unless you were prepared to embarrass yourself or prepared to embarrass your family. And then he took it further. He knelt. Now, you definitely didn't do that either. And if this guy had like teenage kids in that day, they would have like turned red and walked the other way or stared down at their iPhones and pretended that they didn't know him at all. They would have ignored him and pretended like he wasn't their dad. This guy didn't care. He had a desperate question that he wanted to ask Jesus. And it was this, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And it's an honest question that he has. Sometimes guys come to Jesus, they come along and they try to trick him or they try to get him to say or do something that's going to be for their benefit only. And this guy seems like he's just asking uh, to find out. He, he really wants to know the answer to this question. And one thing to notice about his question though, it's all about what this guy needs to do. What should I, what should I do? He said, and, and that's the culture he's coming out of. If you're a Pharisee, which is one of the religious leaders in that day, and you're concerned about this question, you've been taught your whole life that your salvation, your eternal life, is, it's really up to you. It's about two things. And they believe they'd have eternal life because of these two things. It's about their, their race, like, like their heritage. They were in the racial lineage of Abraham and their ability to follow the, the law was the second thing, their ability to follow the law, how well they performed when it came to the rules of their day. And so even in this man's question, he is assuming that, he's gonna, that it's all gonna be up to him. He just wants Jesus to, to back him up. But Jesus says this, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. And, and Jesus here isn't saying, I'm not good. What he's saying is God is the only one who is good. And that's the standard of goodness that you have to match up with, my friend. That's the standard. And so you're asking me what good thing you need to do to inherit eternal life. I'm telling you, first of all, nobody's good enough 
except for God alone. Let's get that clear at the beginning. And in saying this, he was trying to shake this guy up. He was trying to rock this guy's world, to, to change him, to shake him loose from the notions that, that he had grown up with about how to reach God. And, and so then Jesus builds on that. He goes on, he says, he says this, you know the commandments, you know them. You, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud. Honor your father and, and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. So Jesus goes through kind of like the last half of the 10 commandments with this man. He, he walks through them. He says, these are the commandments which God gave to Moses and Moses delivered to the Israelite people. He delivered them to us and they were the standard by which people would be judged. God was saying in the 10 commandments, hey, this is what it looks like to be righteous in my eyes. You can keep these and you can be righteous in my eyes. And the man, said, the man says, I have done all these things since I was a little kid. Now, he says this without a hint of sarcasm, without, a, without like a wink to Jesus. He honestly believed that this was true, that he'd kept all of the commandments perfectly. And it's worth pointing out here that the apostle Paul, he grew up in the same religious environment that this man had. And there was a point when Paul, like he believed that he had followed all of them too. That was before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and was converted. Now this man is about to have his own encounter with Jesus. And let me just stop and say this here. Listen, moving from success to significance requires a true encounter with Jesus because it's not about following more rules. It's not about doing that one more thing that will put you over the top. I just gotta do this one more thing and then I'll be good. No, it's not about achieving something else. This man is, is looking for a prescription. It's like when you go to the doctor and you complain that you've been having migraine headaches, right? And you talk to him about it or talk to her about it and, and she's probably gonna do some tests and then prescribe you some medication to take when the migraine is coming on. And that's gonna be the thing that will help you out. It's gonna be the thing that will help you feel better faster. Everything in his life, this man's life, has kind of been like that. Or it's been like a math equation. If I take this amount of inherited money and invested at this particular interest rate, I will receive this amount in return. And so he was coming to Jesus and he was asking for an equation to solve his spiritual question. He was really just looking for reassurance is, is what he was looking for, that what he already believed was true because he was confident that the equation was this, my family lineage plus my obedience equals eternal life with God. That was his equation and he had a counter, an encounter with Jesus. It's always demanding. And he wasn't prepared for the demand that Jesus was about to make. But, but first, there's this sentence. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I, I, I love that part. I love that Mark included this in his gospel. Jesus had this immediate love for this man. Maybe it was because of the honesty of his question and Jesus recognized that, or maybe how he had humbled himself in front of Jesus. He wasn't worried about what other people thought. I think more likely it was just because here was someone who was, who was human, who had recognized his desperate need for God like every other human in his life and who had turned to Jesus for some answers 
But the guy also discovers this. One way that Jesus loves is by telling us the truth about ourselves. You ever have times where you don't wanna hear the truth about yourself? I do. Uh, there are times when we like the truth about our, ourselves. Like uh, last week, I hit one of the best golf shots I've probably ever hit uh, about, about a week ago. I like that truth about myself. I'll tell you about that truth. I did something that was great, at least I thought it was great. But what about the truth about myself when I fail my friends? when I don't meet a need right in front of me, when my lack of love or lack of compassion affects somebody else around me, when dishonesty, even, even if it's what I think are small or insignificant things, actually causes pain in people who care about me. I, I don't like hearing those truths, but if I'm gonna grow, I, I have to hear them. And Jesus looks at this man and he knows what he needs to say. So see, this is not a, hey, I, I love you, but it's a, hey, I love you, so. I, I want you to know the truth. I want you to face it. I want you to own up to it and to step through it, and I'm gonna be there with you. And so here's what Jesus tells this man. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. This is Jesus' invitation to this man. And there is a radical nature, and he's illustrating it. There's a radical nature to the Christian faith, and Jesus is owning it right here. He is saying it out loud. But here's what he's not saying. He's not saying this is what everybody must do. He's not saying everybody sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Clearly, that is not his message for every single person that he comes into contact with. That is not what I mean by radical. No, his radical message is this. If you wanna be a Christian, if you wanna be a Jesus follower, you have to make all your other priorities serve this one. Following Christ has to become your top priority. There can be no others that compete with it. And as Jesus got to know this man in those few minutes, he knew that the thing that was getting in the way of his faith was his great wealth. And so he told him the truth. You wanna be a follower of mine? You'll have to change your priorities. And in your case, here's what this means. Sad thing is that the man walked away. He walked away from Jesus' offer because as it, as it said, he had great wealth. There's a difference between having, having a lot of wealth and being consumed by great wealth. I know people who have great wealth who are incredibly generous who see it as a useful tool that God gave them to make an impact on the world around them. One of the most uh, generous people that I know is uh, a guy named Joe. He's an old friend of our family. He's been blessed with a lot and he just keeps giving a lot away. And multiple times over the years, I have heard him say or been in a conversation with him where he has said, it is such a blessing to give. He's a man who's not consumed with his wealth. But the guy Jesus was talking to was. So consumed apparently that he couldn't see past it and he couldn't see the offer that Jesus was actually making. Now, did you catch the offer? The offer Jesus makes is go do that and then come follow me. 
Come be one of my disciples. Let's do this together. I'm inviting you into my inner circle. I want you to be a part of it. All this man could see though was what he was going to lose. And that is the problem with success. It puts us in a position of feeling like, you are asking me to give up a lot, you know, my money, my time. Do you know how valuable those things are, Jesus? And when we actually say that question out loud to Jesus, it kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? And, and that's what we need. We need a healthy dose of perspective. Jesus was looking at this from an eternal perspective. You're asking a question about eternal life. He's like, well, I'm gonna give you the answer. I'm gonna give an answer that takes that into account. What he was saying was the greatest treasure, the greatest thing you could ever possess. I don't care how much you have. It's wrapped up in playing your role in the kingdom of God, not in holding on to this thing that is just in your way. It's become a roadblock for you. And the disciples were, were amazed that he said this. And Jesus takes it a step further. He, he looks around and says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. They were amazed because the common thought of the day was that the rich were rich because they'd been doing the right things, that, that God was blessing them because he had approved of what they were doing and so he gave them more and therefore they were closer to God than everyone else. That's how the, the rich were looked at. And so for Jesus to say how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, that was a shocker to them. But Jesus said it again. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were even more amazed and said to one another, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. This is kind of a crazy statement because a, a, a relationship with Jesus and the eternal life that comes with that it's free, it's a free gift. How can that be hard? But what he's getting at is that the problem comes when we think somehow we deserve it, that, that, that we've earned it, that we've done all the right things, we've followed all the right rules, we've checked all of those boxes. He's saying there are a lot of ways to stay out of the kingdom of God. There is one way to come in and that's through placing your trust in and then following me. And so then almost as like the, the PS to the letter, the PS to the story, Peter jumps in, he, Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. And it's classic Peter, he's pointing out the, the obvious and maybe Peter's looking for some approval in that moment as well. And, Jesus, and he says, hey, Jesus, we, we did that. That's what we did. We did what you're asking that guy to do. We already did that and we don't regret it at all. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions. And in the coming age, eternal life. But many who are first 
will be last and the last first, Jesus says. It's a new kingdom. It's a new paradigm, it's a new reality. The, the things that this world thinks are important, he's saying they're not. The things that the kingdom of God values are not what most people think. The first, the people who are first in line now, are gonna often be last, he says. The last are gonna be first. There will be blessing, he says, that you receive for following me. And you may feel like you're gonna lose out. You may feel like you're gonna lose something. That's why this man walked away. The cost to him was too steep. All he could see was the cost. But Jesus is saying, you're gonna receive blessing as you follow me. You know that, right? In relationships, in community, in fellowship. And that, by the way, that's what the church is. And he's also careful to say, you're gonna receive persecution too. Not everybody is gonna understand your decision to spurn the trappings of wealth and follow Jesus. But here's the thing that he's getting at with this man and I believe with each of us. And if there's a key to moving forward out of the trap of success and into significance, this is it. When you prioritize following Jesus, everything else falls into place. When you prioritize following Jesus, everything else falls into place, and here are some ways that you can do that. First, make seeking Jesus your highest priority. Now that sounds so churchy that you're gonna be tempted to say, yeah, 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 I know that already. Make him the top priority, I got it, what's next? But really, this is it. And here are some things that that means. Prioritize listening to him over anyone or anything else. This means, First of all, immersing yourself in his words. I would say like use your Bible app in the car and listen to the gospels as you drive. Listen to his words, dig into a reading plan that takes you into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John into those places where he speaks. Prioritize coming to church. Online audience, we love you, but you can't just do this online. You need to experience the blessings of a life in Christ. The brothers, the sisters, the mothers, the children, the fathers, the homes that Jesus talks about in this passage, you can experience those blessings, but you'll have to intentionally make yourself a part of this community. And as you do, we are all better for it. The second thing is this, develop a lifestyle of generosity. I, I, I can't think of anything that will help you to be better at combating the lure of success in your life than this. Practice the discipline of regularly giving your time and your talents and your treasure, as we used to say, your time, talents, and treasure away. And if you thought to yourself or you said it out loud, there has to be more than this in life. There is. You're on the right track. And Jesus' invitation is follow me, give yourself to me, and you'll find everything you're looking for and much, much more. When you prioritize following Jesus, it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy, but everything else in your life falls into place. Let's pray. God, would you just help us to remove all the things that we worry about when it comes to our successes and our failures and our struggles, would you just help us to set those aside right now and not even worry about them and say to you, you know what, whatever happens with those things in those areas of my life, first and foremost, Jesus, I'm gonna prioritize you. I'm putting you first. I don't know how it's all gonna play out. I don't know how all the rest of this is gonna work itself out and I'm not gonna concern myself with that right now. I'm gonna prioritize you and then go from there. And as uh, you walk with me, as we walk together, 
I'm gonna trust you, God, that you're gonna help me in areas that I need to grow, in areas where I struggle, in the places where I worry, in the places where I don't know if I'm gonna have enough, or in the places where you've given me a lot and then my temptation is to hang on to it and just hang on and hang on until it's holding on to me more than I'm holding on to it. Would you help me, God, in those places? Help each one of us to walk with you, to prioritize you, trusting that every other thing in our life is just gonna fall into place. I pray this in your amazing name, amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.